0: From Tokyo, Japan, and Changsha, China, this is Down to Business English, with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Des Morgan.
1: Hello, Des. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you very much. And how are things with you, Skip? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Keeping busy with teaching and podcasting i guess always a lot of things to do at this time of year now that the new business year has started up in japan okay and when did that start uh, april 1st for the majority of companies right so now that the business year has started i'm slowly adjusting to my new routine which I will be on for the
2: next several months. Ah, my routine changes daily. Sometimes I teach during the day, other times in the evening. I teach a lot of evenings too. To be honest though, I quite like teaching evenings as I get a nice long lie-in in the morning. Oh, not me.
1: Evening classes are not, I'm up at the crack of dawn every day. Impressive. You know, it's funny. I didn't used to be like this, but the older I get, the more I enjoy getting an early start to the day. Anyway, switching gears. I ran across an interesting story on CNN the other day that, by coincidence, was about a company we covered in the last episode we did together. Oh? What company was that? Pinduoduo, one of the online retailers we discussed in D2B249. Really? And
2: what did CNN have to say about Pinduoduo?
1: Well, apparently Pinduoduo have been accused of spying on their (laughs) customers.
2: Oh dear. Hang on. What was their slogan again? Shopping together, more savings, more fun. Yes, that is their slogan. Well, it sounds like they took the idea of shopping together a bit too far.
1: (laughs) Yes, way too far. And what else is going on? Oh, lots. Elon Musk and Twitter are still prominent. The U.S. government's case against TikTok. Lots going on. Business
2: news is never ending. So what will we be covering today?
1: Well, I think we both know the elephant in the room the big news that shook the financial world, the entire world, last month.
2: Oh yes, you're talking about the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank and the ramifications that failure has caused. Although the
1: consequences of the SVB Bank failure are by no means over, the dust has settled enough for us to report on the situation. Yeah, we've been promising to report on this for quite some time. So, let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with the Silicon Valley bank failure. Why did this bank fail? How did high interest rates and social media play a role? And what other banks have met the same fate as SVB?
2: You know, Skip, I hate to admit this, but even though I consider myself to be quite knowledgeable about the financial world, I had never heard of Silicon Valley Bank before last month.
1: Don't feel too bad about that, Des. I am in the same camp. SVB was not a household name the way Lehman Brothers was when it collapsed back in 2008. Which triggered a global financial crisis, as we all remember, and years of economic pain. But even though SVB didn't have a lot of name recognition, it was in fact the 16th largest bank in the US and was very well known to venture capitalists and in the world of startups. 16th largest? Wow, I can't believe that I'd never heard of them. Actually, they have a pretty interesting origin story. Oh, really? What can you tell us about them? Silicon Valley Bank was started in 1983 by Bill Biggerstaff and Robert Medarius over a game of poker. A game of poker? What kind of bankers were those guys? Well, they were friends and former employees of Bank of America. They saw a need in the financial industry to provide specialized banking services.
2: Specialized
1: banking services? Like like what? Niche financial products that would appeal to tech startup companies
2: and their investors. I see. Financial services like bridging loans and debt financing products that mainstream banks just might not be able to offer so easily. Along those lines, yes. And I guess that by taking this approach, SVB quickly became the go-to bank for tech entrepreneurs and venture capitalists.
1: Exactly. After establishing a beachhead in Silicon Valley and going public on the NASDAQ stock exchange in 1994, they opened branches in Massachusetts on the east coast of the U.S., in the U.K., in Israel, even China. At their zenith... In 2021, SVB was worth $44 billion and managed $200 billion of assets.
2: Wow, those are some impressive numbers. So what happened? I mean, their collapse happened so quickly. It was like it just came out of nowhere.
1: With the benefit of hindsight, it is easy to see that this collapse was the result of three ingredients. Mismanagement high interest rates, and social media.
2: What did social media
1: have to do in this? Well, we'll get to that. It it, comes into the picture near the end of the collapse. The trigger, really, was the upward movement of interest rates over the last year.
2: I can see how high interest rates would have put stress on SVB clients. Higher interest rates would equate to a higher cost of doing business. So I'd imagine many customers were withdrawing funds to cover business expenses.
1: That is no doubt true. But there was a more significant ramification of high interest rates on SVB. Okay, and what would that be? You see, during the COVID pandemic, many of Silicon Valley Bank's tech startup customers and venture capitalists had a whole lot of spare cash on their hands.
2: Why would that have
1: been? From funding rounds in a world of easy money.
2: Sure, when interest rates were so low, investors would have been just handing their money over in search of a higher rate of return than from simply letting it sit in their bank account doing nothing. So what did all those
1: startups and VCs do with that spare cash? They deposited it in their bank accounts at SVB, and waited for a
2: rainy day. I see. Tell me, Skip, what percentage of SVB's customers were tech startups?
1: I can't really give you a percentage, but I can tell you that in 2022, SVB provided banking services to almost half of U.S. venture-backed tech and life science firms. On top of that, 44% of tech IPOs, or initial public offerings in 2022, were SVB clients.
2: Wow, they certainly were the go-to bank for tech startups.
1: They were. So, Silicon Valley Bank is holding all of this cash, which they can't make any money on by loaning it out.
2: Again, because interest rates are so
1: low. Precisely. So what do they do with the cash? They invest it in long-term, safe investments.
2: To put that another way, they invested it in U.S. Treasury bonds? That's right. That would seem to be the prudent thing to do.
1: You would think so. And if they were able to leave the bonds until they matured, it would have been. But this is where mismanagement happened. As the U.S. Fed started to raise interest rates last year the value of those bonds fell. Of course, that's what happens, yeah. At the same time, SVB customers started withdrawing their money because financing from funding rounds was becoming harder to come by in this higher
2: interest rate environment. So, SVB was in essence being squeezed from both sides because of the high rates. The value of their bonds were falling and their customers wanted access to their money.
1: A very succinct way of putting it, Des, that is exactly what happened. In a letter sent to stakeholders on Wednesday, March 8, SVB President and CEO Greg Becker announced that the bank had sold almost all of their bond assets at a loss in order to cover withdrawals being made by customers.
2: Ouch, and how much of a loss? They
1: had sold off $21 billion of bonds at a loss of $1.8 billion. <laughs> wow. And to make matters worse, the letter also said SVB was trying to raise an additional $2.25 billion by issuing new shares
2: to shore up their balance sheet. And that announcement really sent the message that SVB. Was in trouble. Boy, did it
1: ever. When the stock markets opened the next day, the wheels really started coming off. Shares in SVB plummeted 60%. The word was out. It was out. And this is where social media played a role. High-profile entrepreneurs and investors jumped onto Twitter to sound the alarm. Today, the viral nature of social media... And the ease of online banking access, both of those things in general played a big role.
2: None of that was around in 2008. This was a classic run on the bank with a modern high-tech twist. It was. Federal regulators
1: entered SVB at noon on Friday, and shut down the whole operation.
2: A total of just two days later. Man, that was a quick collapse. Very quick. Is there any protection for customers with deposits at SVB?
1: Fortunately, there is. As an FDIC-insured lender, anyone who banked with SVB had their money guaranteed by the federal government.
2: FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation? That's who they are. I thought the FDIC only insured deposits up to $250,000. That's very true, Des. And it was
1: estimated that something like 90% of SVB customers had deposits in the excess of that amount, considerably in excess. Okay, so what happened to them? The US government really came through here. On Sunday, March 12th, Financial regulators announced that all SVB depositors would have access to 100% of their deposits as of Monday morning. And that no losses associated with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank would be borne by the
2: taxpayer. Bank depositors' losses would be covered, but no public money would be used? That sounds kind of counterintuitive.
1: It's not really. Even though the FDIC is a government agency, it is not funded by taxpayer money. It is funded by fees
2: collected from banks. I didn't realize that. And the FDIC also made the decision to increase the deposit insurance from $250,000 to 100% of the deposit. They most certainly did. What prompted them to do that?
1: Well, they had to act fast in order to calm or keep the markets calm because another bank, Signature Bank of New York, was also being closed down by regulators. Signature Bank was the 19th largest bank in the U.S. and dealt with mostly private equity clients.
2: Depositors were clearly concerned over the SVB collapse So they tried to withdraw funds from smaller banks like Signature?
1: Well, not just smaller banks, and not just in the U.S. On March 15th, Credit Suisse, the 167-year-old Swiss bank, was teetering on the edge of failure. That spread fast! It did. Now, the situation with Credit Suisse was much more significant than the failure of SVB and Signature.
2: Sure, it's a much
1: larger institution... Yes, much larger. They have 50,000 employees worldwide and half a trillion dollars in assets. Yeah,
2: a much more serious proposition.
1: Credit Suisse had the status of a global systemically important bank, or GSIB, for short, signifying that it is a mega bank that would seriously disrupt the entire world economy if it were to become insolvent.
2: Wow, the crisis really stepped up a gear. But as far as I can see, there's no real connection between SVB and Credit Suisse. Or or is there? No, not really. Credit Suisse's
1: problems stemmed from the fact that they had problems of their own that were exacerbated when depositors and investors started panicking over the solvency of the banking sector in general. What problems was Credit Suisse having? A string of compliance issues and changes of management were specific to Credit Suisse. Plus, the issues of raising interest rates and falling asset prices that all major banks are currently facing. I see. On March 19th, the Swiss government and the Swiss National Bank announced that the Union Bank of Switzerland or UBS, would acquire Credit Suisse for $3.3 billion with a further $284 billion in liquidity and guarantees offered by the government and
2: Swiss National Bank. So where does that leave Credit Suisse's investors and indeed their staff? Investors will get one
1: UBS share for every 22.48 shares they had in Credit Suisse while the newly combined workforce of USB and Credit Suisse will likely see a 30% cut in their number. And how large is that combined workforce? That is a total of 120,000 employees. Oh dear,
2: 35,000 banking positions on the chopping block. We'll have to keep an eye on how this merger pans out. That we will. And on that somewhat depressing note... I think it's time for us to get D2V Down to Vocabulary.
0: Do you find Down to Business English helpful in your English studies? Consider becoming a D2B member today to learn and retain even more words, phrases and expressions used by native English speakers in professional situations. What do you get with a D2B membership plan? First, bonus content in the form of exclusive members only D2B episodes. Second, expanded D2V or down to vocabulary episodes that accompany each public episode of down to business English. Third, Full access to the entire library of D2B audio scripts. All the way from Season 1, Episode 1, to our most recent D2B episode. And on top of all of that, D2B members receive automatic email delivery of audio scripts for recently released episodes. No longer will there be the need to go through the time-consuming process of visiting the website, logging into your account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. Interested in becoming a D2B member? Visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page to sign up and start enjoying these benefits today.
2: I will get D2B up and running today with the idiom, an elephant in the room. An elephant in the room is a problem or difficult situation that you just can't ignore. It is fairly
1: easy to picture this idiom. If there was something as big as an actual elephant standing in a small room, it would be hard to notice anything
2: else. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great expression. In the story, Skip described the SVB collapse as the elephant in the room as it's a news story that's overshadowed all other news in the business sector.
1: Imagine you are attending a staff meeting just after a senior manager in your office had suddenly and unexpectedly resigned. In that meeting, other topics would be on the agenda, but the elephant in the room would be who is going to be his or her replacement. Good example. Next on our D2V list is the phrase, the wheels came off. When you say that the wheels came off, you're saying that something failed or didn't go
2: according to the plan. Again, this is easy to picture. Just imagine riding on a train or in a car, everything's going smoothly, and then suddenly one of the wheels comes off.
1: At that point, there's going to be a pretty big accident. It is impossible to avoid an accident when the wheels come off.
2: That's right, there is very little or indeed no option for recovery. In the story,
1: I said that the wheels really started coming off for SVB when their share price on the stock market dropped 60% in one day. In other words, at that point, it was clear that the bank was failing and that there was very little hope for recovery.
2: I was talking to a friend recently who owns a hotel in the UK. He was explaining to me how the hospitality sector is really struggling. First there was Brexit, then the pandemic.
1: Yeah, both events were hard for hotels, no
2: doubt. But the wheels really came off after COVID when the costs of food and heating escalated dramatically.
1: I can imagine. It's a tough situation for any business. What is our next word?
2: Our next and final word for D2V today is the two-part adjective counterintuitive. Let me break that down a bit. Intuitive describes something that's easy to understand. So easy that
1: you don't really even have to think about it. Like how an iPhone's user interface is intuitive. You don't need to read a user manual
2: because you can instinctively figure it out. But when you add the prefix counter, it means the opposite. Something that is counterintuitive is not easy to understand or goes against your expectations.
1: It's a useful way to describe a situation where the
2: outcome is illogical. In the story, I commented that it was counterintuitive to me that US regulators said no taxpayers' money would be used to cover SVP customer deposits. In other
1: words, DES didn't understand how depositors could be reimbursed without using public money. One would expect a government agency would use taxpayers' money, but that's not the case for the FDIC. The
2: old adage, you have to spend money to make money, seems kind of counterintuitive. It does when you first hear it. How can you make money by spending it? It just doesn't make sense. But it is true if you think about it. If a company spends money on projects that either save money or make money over the long term, then it makes sense. For example? If your company replaces all the computers in the office with new, faster, more energy-efficient models, you might use that expression. Right,
1: even though the company is spending more money now, In the long run, they will make more money because their staff is getting things done faster on their new computers. Thus, the company is making more money.
0: Would you like to help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills? Be sure to follow D2B on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, leave a rating and a review, and tell everyone how much you enjoy the show.
1: And this brings us to the end of our report on the Silicon Valley Bank Collapse. Thanks for speaking with me about this, Des. Don't mention it, Skip. But we're not really finished though, are we? No, we are not finished. We have five more bonus vocabulary words to go through for our D2B members. That's right.
2: And those words will be to switch gears, a beachhead, to be prudent, the expression, hard to come by, and the noun, compliance. So D2B members, Look for that
1: members-only bonus episode in your members-only RSS feed. It will drop within the next 24 hours. And non-members consider becoming one? Absolutely. D2B members get access to audio scripts for each and every episode of Down to Business English. You get member-only D2B episodes and bonus vocabulary
2: for each public episode. Just visit the D2B website and click on the membership link at the top of the page for more information.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. See you
2: next time. Bye-bye.
0: Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip, Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.